0: Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, a podcast where we dig deeper into what it looks like to live a life where in the end, all that matters is God and people. Each week, we will have candid and authentic conversations about how every day brings a fresh beginning and that the best is yet to come as we work together to help fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us. Now, here's our host.
1: Well hey everybody, I'm Robert sitting here with Chad and we're doing a podcast and we are in a brand new series. It is the Christmas series and every year Jesus is born in a manger and every year it's the same story, but we gotta find a new way to tell the story. So Chad, what's our what's our approach this year? It's hard.
2: It's, people don't understand. It's it's difficult being a pastor, you know. It's hard being you. Like like come on. Throw me a bone here. It's Christmas again. The story's still the same. And, all oh, they said that last year. Well, no kidding,
1: right? <laughs> Can't change same, it. It's
2: the same deal every time. Can't yeah.
1: thicken the plot anymore, throw in some new characters, try and spice it up a little bit. It's still the story.
2: Well, I, I will say, uh, first sermon out of the gate, uh, my guess, as I said, some things nobody ever thought about or heard before. Because uh, some of it I'd never thought about or heard before. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have read the story a few times. So um series is called Something Greater. And, uh, the idea is cause everybody in the Christmas account, their life was interrupted. Yeah. Mary's plans were interrupted. Joseph's plans were interrupted. Shepherds had a different plan that night. Mm-hmm. Wise men all of a sudden see the star and go, Oh, something, something special's yep, happening. Yep. You know, everybody's life is interrupted and yet all of those interruptions were actually an invitation to something greater. Yeah. And I think right now, uh, in the year 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going, I can't wait for 2021. And I'm thinking to myself, 2021 might look at 2020 and go, hey man, hold my beer. Let, let, me, let <laughs> me show you what nothing. I got. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's like we have this idea that, you know, it, it, the clock's gonna kick over and then all of a sudden everything's back to normal. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, just, that's just not, <laughs> not reality. But here, here's what we know, everybody's lives have been interrupted this year, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And we're just asking the question, could it be that when our lives are interrupted, that something greater is going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. and those interruptions might be an invitation to something greater. If we'll just remember that God is actually sovereign, uh, God is in control of whoever is in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter what happens, I mean, we, we know uh, the end of the story we, we win. So, so we can be confident and calm in the midst of craziness, but those interruptions are, are oftentimes invitations to something better. And, and we need to see them as such instead of freaking out.
1: Yeah. Cause we, we hate interruptions. We hate, Hey, I had plans. I had big plans for this year. I was supposed to travel. Lindsay and I had our 15 year anniversary. Uh, we, we hate being interrupted and we do assume it's always all bad. There's a, there's a guy I like listening to, um, his name's Jocko Willink. Yeah. And, uh, Extreme Ownership, he wrote the book, um, but I know who Jocko is. He has this uh, he has this little clip that that we've talked about in our small group a whole bunch, but he talks about any time he has some kind of problem, some kind of an issue, an interruption, whatever, his response and all of his, you know, platoon, all the guys, they they all knew this would be his response whenever they came to him with a problem or this didn't go to plan, he'd always go, Good. <laughs> that was always his response good because he would say well we we're, we're going to grow from this we're going to learn something it's going to force us to uh to step up to whatever challenge we're facing so he said anytime there's some kind of conflict interruption issue he automatically tells himself good because yes. cuz we're going to grow from this
2: well that's what leaders do yeah um a leader doesn't go in front of whoever he's leading or she's leading Oh my gosh, the world's falling apart. What, 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 what do, what do we do? I'm thinking right now, I'm such a nerd of Lord of the Rings when the guy's <laughs> like, run for your lives, uh-huh. you know, it's over. And, uh, you know, and the, and the wizard hits him with his cane and says battle stations. But anyway, a, a leader doesn't go, let's freak out right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: A leader says, all right, you know, what What are we going to do about it? I heard, a uh, the interview that Joe Rogan did with Jocko.
1: Uh-huh. It
2: was so good. Yeah. Yeah. They were talking about some of the issues of our time. And I, I just, I like Jocko a lot, yeah. so let's just recommend that book right now. Yep, Extreme, Extreme ownership. ownership. Yeah, and let's let's recommend Upside Down Crown too by Atta by Robert boy. Watson. That's
1: what that that's where I was trying to lead this conversation.
2: If you haven't read <laughs> Upside Down Crown by Robert Watson, you're just letting the best in life pass you by. I buy a bunch of them stocking stuffers, Christmas gifts. Oh man, help a pastor's kids go to college. <laughs> Get the book.
1: I uh, actually did get a, an email from somebody who bought a bunch of books to give out at Christmas. Yeah. I've never been so grateful. I was like, oh,
2: thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. L- love, your, love one of your pastors. His name's Robert Watson. Well. Upside down crown. You can get it on Amazon today.
1: Let's talk about... That That would be a wise thing for people to do. Let's talk about wise men. You the like that transition? Men. Yeah. So,
2: so talk about the wise men. Um What what do you,
1: what do you want to know, Robert? I mean, who are the wise men and, and why, why is everybody's nativity scene wrong? Yeah. So
2: every nativity scene is wrong, including the ones we have at my house. (laughs) Katrina (laughs) Katrina got us, uh, we went to Bethlehem last year, right Uh before, right before COVID. Yep. And uh, I think we, I think we got back from Israel like two weeks before it shut down. But anyway, um, she actually bought us a nativity scene in Bethlehem, Uh which is kind of cool. Made of olive wood. It is made of olive wood. And it's, uh, it's, it's super cool. Um, yeah, so wise men. Um, of course, we think traditionally, and we three kings of Ori and Ar. And we we, we think all of that. And we think there were three because there were three gifts. Uh, we have no idea how many there were. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were probably a whole lot because when they come into Jerusalem, Herod is shook up. Yeah, uh, the king at the time, and he's probably not going to be shaken up over three dudes on three camels. Yeah, you know, it's it's probably a massive group. Uh, Babylon has fallen. Um, which just to reiterate what you just said, if you got a bunch of gold
1: and you're crossing the desert in ancient times, you probably have an entourage. You probably have some bodyguards and so you know,
2: yeah, you, you have the jockos of your time, the (laughs) Navy seals of your time surrounding your camels. Um, they're from the area of where Babylon was. Mm -hmm. Um, even though Babylon, the city has fallen, they're, they're in the realm of Babylonian scholars. So modern day Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they would have been wealthy, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, Babylonian aristocrats, scholars, uh, specifically, they were probably well-versed in the occult Mm -hmm. and astrology. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thus, they see the star and they go, oh, the king of the Jews uh, is is born, which is so weird because you have these pagan you know, studiers of the occult and astrology.
1: Cause they would just kind of buffet style all the different spiritualities and faith oh, and they would oh, study yeah. all of it. And yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and, and they, they would have been, uh, they they would have been experts. So they're coming from the East. They're coming from uh, this area of, of Babylon. And, and the reason that they know about that is because of a book that's in the old Testament. Mm-hmm. So hundreds of years earlier, uh, Jerusalem is sacked. Mm-hmm. Israel's conquered by uh, the
1: six ba- oh five BC.
2: Oh, you're a good teaching pastor, hey,
1: Nebuchadnezzar S- six
2: oh five BC. The the Babylonian uh, empire. He's led by the king Nebuchadnezzar. Israel's conquered. Nebuchadnezzar uh, wants to bring the best and the brightest into his court to serve him, and so he would have done that with girls and women. the the pretty You know, he probably had a beauty pageant and mm-hmm. The best of the of the Jewish ladies would have been brought into his court, his harem, and then he took the best and brightest of the men as well uh, to serve him in his court. Mm-hmm. and this is written about in the Old Testament uh, and that book of the Bible's called Daniel. and Daniel is the account of these Jewish men, specifically Daniel, but also his friends, who are brought into the court of Nebuchadnezzar, and in, in the midst of this massive interruption, mm-hmm. we're talking about interruptions, in the midst of this massive interruption, they follow God, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they really change an empire. And, and, and you fast forward hundreds of years, and now you have these Babylonian astrologists coming to see the king of the Jews. Well, where did they get that? Well, they got that from Daniel way back when, because Daniel was made to study Astrology in the occult.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, to talk about the interruption. I mean, we talk about man. My vacation plans got interrupted. Their their hometown, the holiest site that they have, everything in Jerusalem destroyed. They're taken captive. Uh, most likely, the guys were made eunuchs. I mean, this is. I, I don't think we can overstate interruption in this story. And uh, their names are changed, their identities changed. I mean, they're they're forced into a lifestyle and a culture that is so anti everything that they've been raised on, and uh, and yet Daniel grows in all this influence with people.
2: Yeah, so we're going to do a series on Daniel in January and February. Super excited about it. Uh, but just a kind of kind of a an introduction mm-hmm. uh, because the wise men are connected to Daniel. That's mm-hmm. that's what that's about. Which obviously also lets us know again the Bible's legitimate. Yep there's 300 plus prophecies about the coming Christ, coming Messiah. In Matthew chapter two, where the wise men show up, three prophecies are hit. Yeah. Messiah'd be born in Bethlehem. He would come out of Egypt and uh, there would be weeping in Ramah. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that, go back and listen to the sermon if you missed it. But all of that is is, is right is right there. But yeah, massive interruption. So Daniel... You know, we, we, we think about the book of Daniel, if you went to Sunday school, you know, and we think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which uh-huh. were Daniel's fiery friends in the fiery furnace. We think about Daniel in the lion's den, which, by the way, that didn't happen until he was in his 80s. Mm-hmm.
1: He's always portrayed as like, you know, a young guy with the lions or whatever. He was an old dude. They probably had to help him down into that den.
2: That's that. Well, maybe the lions were old and the false teeth of the lion, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. But but we think of it as this adventure story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we can even believe this myth. That, oh, if you follow God, the lions won't eat you. And yet history is full of Christians being fed the lions, mm-hmm. right? So that was a one-off. Yep. Um, that was an, an exception, not not the norm.
1: The book Well, of, even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's, it's hey, God could save us, but even if he doesn't, like, we're not going to bow down. Yeah. You well, know, it's a, it's a he might or he might not. Well, and, reality
2: is they don't think they're going to live through that. Yeah. Right? Um, but the point of the book of Daniel is, is how do we follow God in a godless culture? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you when you read it through that historical lens, that's what the book's about. And then these miracles and the prophecies—okay, that's 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 additions to a mm-hmm. really cool historical account. But Daniel is a missionary in a foreign land, uh, serving a a godless king. In in Babylon, and the Bible considers Babylon to really be the personification of evil. Yeah,
1: that's right. Uh, because it's talked about in Revelation, it's symbolic of everything anti-Christ, essentially everything evil,
2: anti-God yep. is 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 there in Babylon, which is why it's mentioned in Revelation, even though Babylon had fallen, you know, hundreds of years, hundreds of years earlier. So to your point, so Daniel, uh, what does the name Daniel mean, teaching pastor?
1: It means God is my judge. God
2: is my judge. So Dan. El, right? El. Think think Hebrew language. Mm -hmm, Elohim. And they, they, they change his name to Belshazzar, which, which really means if you put it in modern English, like Prince of Satan.
1: Yeah. And yet. How offensive is that name change? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then, and then they take him and they make him study, you know, Babylonian education Mm -hmm. now, not Jewish education. So we're going to study a Satanism. We're going to study the occult and we're going to study astrology. And, and yet,
1: yeah. Hey, I know you grew up, Chad. We're gonna we're gonna name you Lucifer. M- moving <laughs> yes, on exactly for it. you know, like right. okay, that that's, that's pretty offensive.
2: That's that's exactly right. Uh, and yet, God uses all that. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating about Daniel, and, and perhaps we'll just we'll just go here in our day and time because people are freaking out about different things. Um, what's fascinating about Daniel? There are moments when he draws a line in the sand. Mm-hmm. You're not going to keep me from praying, mm-hmm. right? There are moments when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, they draw a line and I'm not going to bow down. Yep. And yet Daniel doesn't protest the name change. Yeah. Daniel doesn't protest uh, the study of the occult and astrology. God actually uses that mm-hmm. to the extent that hundreds of years later, the wise men who are astrologists are putting that together with the Jewish faith that Daniel would have wrote about. Yep. He put the two together and then now they're on their way to worship Jesus, um, God is in control of who's in control. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you and I, American Christianity at large, we have this idea when it comes to our faith, we either need to fight or we need to flee. And we like pick one of those two options and neither one is right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something right now that I hope bothers a lot of you because you believe a lie. God never taught us to fight for our faith. That is an American idea mm-hmm. in, in modern Christianity. It's, it's nowhere in the scriptures. God taught us to live faithfully. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. Uh, we represent our faith by living it out, mm-hmm. not for fighting a culture war. That's, that is nowhere in Scripture. Um, and I think a lot of times maybe we're practicing a pseudo-Christian Americanized cultural thing mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with Scripture. So the Bible doesn't actually teach us to fight for the faith. Um, it teaches us to persevere in our faith. It teaches us to contend in the faith. But that's about living faithfully. Mm-hmm. That's not about fighting a culture war.
1: And the good fight's more about unity. It's more about us being united as a church and and being focused on the mission, which the mission is, you know, go to all people, make disciples, baptize them. That that's that's the mission. That's what's been given to us. Help people well, meet. No, follow Jesus.
2: Well, Daniel, right, Belshazzar now, uh-huh. and Shadrach, Meshach, and the Abednego uh, could have took the posture of martyr. Mm-hmm. but they don't. They take the posture of missionary. The problem with the gift of martyrdom, it's the gift you only get to use one time, right? So, mm-hmm. but I think in American Christianity right now, there, there is a, a, a subset, not everybody, but there's a subset. You're thinking you're a martyr and you're going, oh my gosh, what happened to, you know, Christian nation. And it, all, it happens every election cycle, by the way. And, and you're freaking out about all that. I, let me just, let me just help you. Um, there is no need to freak out. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating is people will, you know, why are you so afraid? I'm like, I'm not the one afraid in this conversation. People are afraid right now in one or two things. They're afraid of a virus or they're afraid of losing their freedom. Mm-hmm. I'm neither one. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm saying is, as, as pastor and leader of Sun Valley, I just trying to be faithful and help all of us be faithful. Yeah. I don't need to fight a cultural war. What we all need to do is just follow Jesus and let him take care of it. Yep. Which means we don't have the posture of a martyr. Oh, my gosh, I'm dying. Or cultural, whatever. Don't worry about that. We have a posture of missionary. Yeah. Um, we're, we're here to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus, regardless of whether we live in Babylon, Sin City, or, you know, Chandler, Arizona. I mean, we're to be on mission with Jesus. And I think right now, because of the interruption of the world and because of our various fears, um, we're freaking out in the moment and, and forgetting to just be faithful to the mission. Mm-hmm. So people tend to fight or, or they tend to flee, you know, and we're going to churn our own butter and, and homeschool. And, and I don't have any problem with homeschool. If you homeschool we your love kids, you, schooler. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just making a point, probably not you, but maybe others, you know, that we've got to protect ourselves and our family and all that from the culture. We're going to fight it or we're going to flee it. Uh, Daniel doesn't do either one. He engages it. Mm-hmm. And obviously there are moments when he draws a line in the sand. What's interesting to me, I noticed this this past week, uh, cause we're studying for the series in January. Um, And again, Daniel's connected to the wise men. So Mm -hmm. here we are talking about it at Christmas time. But when Daniel um, makes the case that he doesn't want to eat the king's food, he's not a jerk about it. Yeah, I I want you to go back and read that in in like Daniel one and following. He says this word, catch this word, please. He asks the steward who works for the chief of the eunuchs, Mm -hmm. which you mentioned castration. Most people don't realize that, but most likely Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would have been made eunuchs because they serve under the chief of eunuchs. And they're good looking, they're part of the best of the brightest, they're mm-hmm. clever, and they're serving in Nebuchadnezzar's court, which means his harem would be there as well. And anybody who served in the court of Nebuchadnezzar was made a eunuch. So uh, we don't teach that in children's Sunday school. We talk about <laughs> Daniel in the lion's den, but, th- but that's yeah. a
1: reality. But this is the podcast. A- again, this is
2: different. you you talk about a life being interrupted. Yeah. Uh, and there's no mention of Daniel having a wife or children or anything. And in that day and time in a Jewish culture, uh, that's that's a stark absence. Yes. Uh, which which means yeah he he would have been made a uh, a, a eunuch but but Daniel engages the culture mm-hmm. um, there sometimes he draws a line in the sand but but he says please there he he is wise he's shrewd he's he's humble and I think all of that is because he has a real faith
1: mm-hmm.
2: and a real faith says God is in control. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to fight a culture war. I don't have to flee culture, but I can engage culture and be Mm -hmm. faithful. Mm -hmm. Love that about Daniel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he also, God's gifted him. The Holy Spirit's led him. He's a prophet. So he can, uh, he can see pictures of what's to come. And so Daniel in his prophecies, he's, he's painting pictures and it's, it's kind of like this. If you're looking at a mountain range, you are kind of reading it left to right, but some mountains are closer, some are further. He's describing the coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. So so you have both uh, 2,000 years ago and then whatever that date is in the future that Christ returns. And he's kind of just collaging this mosaic of, of what's to come. Um, but as he's revealing that, as God's revealed it to him and now he's revealing it to, to people, um, these wise men are taking note and, and they're paying attention to some of these prophecies of this this Messiah, this anointed one, this savior, this rescuer. and And that's why we have wise men showing up on our nativity scenes, even though it's a little early for that in the nativity scenes, but
2: yeah, and when you read the passage, it says after Jesus was born, mm-hmm. it says they come into the house, it doesn't say the stable. But but think think about the beauty of this. God in his glorious, wonderful grace is drawing pagan Satan occult astrologists. Yeah. To come and worship Jesus. Yeah. Because of something that happened hundreds of years ago, this massive interruption and mm-hmm. in the faithfulness of a man named Dan, Daniel. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Um, and one of the things about Christmas that I want to, you know, we're so familiar with it. We're unfamiliar with how beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. Um, this Christmas season, don't let the familiarity of it all... Drowned um, out the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't know any of the wise men's names. We give them names later in the song, but we don't know their names. The Bible mm-hmm. doesn't mention it. We don't know the shepherds' names. Mm-hmm. Think, think, think about this. So the two groups, the wise men would have been the wealthiest of the wealthy yeah. and the shepherds would have been the poorest of the poor. But yeah. well, what's the point? Uh, God's grace doesn't discriminate. Yeah, he, he is for every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every socioeconomic background. Everybody come. Everybody come and worship Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the only name that matters, the reason we don't know the shepherds' names or the wise men, the only name that matters is Jesus. That's right. Um, and, and, and there's just this beauty to Christmas. And and we're so familiar with it. You know, we're, we're unfamiliar. I really appreciate the humility of the wise men, mm-hmm. you know.
1: They had power. They had influence. They had prestige. They had finances. I mean, they had a lot going for them. And what do they do when they show up with a kid?
2: They bow down and worship a toddler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, after they got off their Bentley camel, right, and <laughs> yep. the Mercedes Chariot, clicked a little
1: alarm. Boop, boop.
2: Yeah, yeah. They're 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 wearing their Rolex sundial. dial. Um, yeah, there's there's humility there, which which means that's a little bonus. But but humility is 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 not about environment; it's about attitude.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and they just have the right attitude. And then of course they're seeking truth, you know. Yeah. Because they see the star, they connect that with Daniel, and, and here they here they come, and then they actively worship. Yeah. Uh, everybody thinks worship's about goosebumps and music. I can include that, but worship's not about goosebumps. It's about giving and serving, uh, because giving is always fueled by gratitude, which is always fueled by an understanding of God's grace, which is what worship is. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's just this beauty in the, in the account of the wise men.
1: And again, that spectrum of you have impoverished Jews, you have wealthy pagans and, and God saying, Hey, I got a message for all of you. Good news of great joy for all people. It's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it's love God, love people, like it's all connected. It is. Something God would have thought of. (laughs) It's so good. I'm so excited for Christmas. I'm so looking forward to it. Uh, In the midst of all interruptions, hopefully we can focus again on what matters most Mm -hmm. and know that uh, in the midst of a crazy world, we have a God who is both great and good, and we can trust him. It's good.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on the Loving God, Loving People podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to us so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you left us a review or shared this podcast with a friend. Doing that will help us reach and help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you're always welcome to join us online or in person for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc. Thanks for joining us.